Today, we are serving up more of that delicious fruit, forbidden fruit. Yes, those collections, those stories, that art, those characters that are not going to be collected as trade paperbacks, as omnibuses, as giant absolute editions. They're, they're not coming now. They're likely not coming anytime soon. Many of today's selections are from that wonderful 90s era that we continue to dine out on. What artists, what characters, what stories are on the tree with the forbidden fruit? Find out today on an all new episode of Observations. Welcome everybody to another edition of Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. Not only do I make comic books and have been for 38 years, but we talk comic books. Comic books, pop culture, superheroes are always, always on the menu here at Observations. Today, we are going to dive deep into a category that we already have banked a few episodes of over the past couple of years. It's called Forbidden Fruits. Forbidden Fruits concerns, deals with, discusses these works that were popular and 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 are are, are currently highly sought after, but have evaded being reprinted in any form, in any anything resembling a completion of the original work for us to consume. Trade paperbacks, hardcovers, these giant collections, absolute is the slipcover edition, the absolute editions from DC Comics. You got Marvel omnibuses coming out all the time. Obviously, DC has omnibuses. Everyone now has omnibuses. We love to get our comics, collect them, and put them on our fancy schmancy shelves. Speaking of myself here, <laughs> I, I love putting comic books and collections on the fancy schmancy shelves, okay? The, it was really late 90s, turn of the century, 2000s, where the collections were, were really taking on this bougie uh, aspect. They were really done better than ever before. I can, I can remember the 20th or no, the 15th anniversary of Dark Knight. They, they, uh, DC Comics put out a deluxe hardcover slipcase signed edition. If, if you don't believe that, that I had a couple of those copies on order immediately and ready to receive them the day that they dropped, you are kidding yourself or you don't know how my obsession with Frank Miller and his body of work and that particular story, which was a tremendous, huge event for everybody uh, who, who was growing up in that period. 1996, Dark Knight Strikes. Uh, the Dark Knight uh, was huge. It was huge. It, and, and, and that was the first time I remember like, this This is really a step above. There's a sketchbook component, uh, a script component. There's a there's a there's a little uh, mini kind of uh, book collecting the the reviews. I've actually read some of them. I've I've pulled this collection apart and and spoken of it before, given the critical acclaim that Frank Miller achieved, like no other with that with that book. But that's when I really started seeing that. We 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 are doing some really fun and special uh, additions of 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 work that is that is very again popular and sought after. And then once that happened, I mean, it was off to the races. And you got all manner of incredible collections over the years. And we started to go bigger. And like I said, these absolute editions. And later, uh, l- lately in 
in the last couple of years, I've seen Marvel really embrace more of a uh, what I call a European album format. Larger Weapon X, Neil At- Barry Windsor Smith's Weapon X, uh, the Neil Adams X-Men I- I- issues have gotten this really nice album, a larger size, a little, little thinner, not, not overwhelmingly you know thick like the omnibuses, just the collections and and the way that we want to have these displayed. I mean, I, I have a giant segment of my shelf is for my absolute editions, my art editions, uh, the, the, the art editions that, that are put out by Graffiti, uh, who did the Ronin and the Dark Knight artist editions, and, and they are the finest. A lot of people do artist editions. Dark, Dark Horse does artist editions. Image does artist editions. They're giant, like 11 by 17 hardcover books. No one has done them better than these graffiti uh frank miller ronin and dark knight they have the overlays the acetate overlays on 30 to 40 of the pages inside to show you how the work was corrected especially on dark knight how frank inked over the original batch of pages finished by klaus jansen and wanted to change the look he, he wanted a different look so he inked he put his inks on top of klaus jansen's inks and those inks the frank miller inks the final inks that are shown on the acetate are the final line art that we got and you can tell in Dark Knight how how the, how the work sh- you know shifted and changed. But I have a giant shelf. Uh, buddy of mine who owns all the art for Barry Windsor Smith's Conan Red Nails published his own hardcover, uh, absolute artist edition, big giant eleven by seventeen. They they they, they told me. Uh, uh, it's Mike Thibodeau's company. He he told me he, they had just only a few left. It, they debuted, I think, 2016. I bought up a number of them because, oh my gosh, I can't believe that they they, they went to this format. So the art editions, every company has them, and and uh, and and again, this this what I call the bougie uh, way to to present the material is is uh, is never ending because now you got you got foil lettering on them. Some of them, you know. Uh, just the the, uh, the amount of the slip covers, the 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 dust jackets. I mean, these things are beautiful. So much of what we hand down to the next generation now is done in the form of collections. And so, Forbidden Fruit, past Forbidden Fruits have dealt with two two of the most popular, which are finally being addressed. And we've 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 discussed this, especially when the news broke this last spring. And kudos to Marvel Comics and to Hasbro for making this happen because when I first did this see uh, uh, there's a short box next to my desk uh my drawing table uh and it and it's some of the stuff that I want to or I, I normally I look at the most I want to kind of re-enjoy it's not just reference material but Micronauts the original run of Micronauts which was which was a top selling toy uh in the late 70s very much spurned on by the success of Star Wars Marvel did this state of the art best ever adaptation creating an entire world where there was none and i mean it just it just didn't exist for these toys the toys are great the micronaut toys were interchangeable they had different uh different characters called you know uh uh a Croyer and Biotron and Microtron, but they didn't have commander ran they didn't have marionette they didn't have bug that was all created for marvel comics as was the lore the legacy the mythology of the acroyer race uh just incredibly well conceived thought through by by an under-celebrated writer that we don't talk about enough called bill mantlow ironically he's behind two of these recent forbidden fruits 
as we kind of refresh your memory on what on what this that, that, that this means in, in regards to to when I bring it up here on the podcast on observations it's uh he, he he created this world with Michael Golden who who is really the godfather of the image comic style without Michael Golden you don't get art Adams without art Adams you don't get image comics it's that simple you can make that easy just let me cut the steps out and go one two three boom there it is uh Michael Golden is so influential on the first about several years of what Art Adams gives us, whether it's Longshot, the X-Men, all the stuff that we love. And Michael, like Art Adams, was very slow to produce work post-Micronauts. Micronauts is the only body of work that he did like almost 13 full issues on. Uh, I I say that because it's 12 full issues, tons of covers, and this work has never, ever been collected in trade paperback form. By the time they came to this realization that, hey, people want to collect this stuff, the license had slipped. And when it gets re- uh, recollected, reassembled, put in these amazing formats that we're going to finally get from Marvel Comics because they came to this agreement to do this, I'd love to think that my my podcast had anything to do with it, but I think they were probably talking about it well before that because Micronauts and ROM were two of the ones that I hit the hardest in regards to the original uh, collection of, 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 of these works and how they have they have kind of slipped through the sands of times. And, and Michael Golden, I, I would argue this is his greatest work. It is his greatest storytelling, some of his greatest single figure faces, illustrations, just huge set of dynamics, uh, this stuff has been out of print for over 40 years. By the time it reaches us in this new reprint, this omnibus, this Micronaut omnibus, it's going to be over 45 years old, okay? 1978 till uh, until like maybe maybe early 2024. I know they're going to give us a single issue uh, reprint of the first issue, which is great. I can't wait to have it I to, to go along with my others. But again, my Micronauts are at my short box next to my table because I just, that stuff is magic. It is as important to me as the runs that I always go on and on about the Frank Miller Daredevils, the John Byrne, Terry Austin, X-Men run. This stuff is that good. The the story is that great. It is a great space opera. It has not been collected. It is about to be collected. This is like, so it won't, we'll take it off the forbidden fruit list the minute that it arrives. Rom, another toy, which was brilliantly envisioned by Mr. Bill Matlow, this time alongside uh, legendary talent Sal Buscema. Uh, th- this, this was just rock'em, sock'em, super exciting. Now, the, the, the deals for, for both of these were conceivably worked through over the last couple of years in Marvel and Hasbro have finally come to terms to, to release those to them. Now, you'll, you'll notice that Hasbro is also now no longer doing G.I. Joe and Transformers with IDW. They are doing it with Skybound, who is distributing it through Image Comics. Robert Kirkman's Skybound label is distributing it through Image. So, uh, you know, Hasbro's been changing it up quite a bit. They've been shifting alliances, licensing partners, and and uh, and, and if any if any of the early reaction to the Skybound stuff is an indication, that stuff is going to explode and reach all new heights. And you guys know how much I absolutely love the G.I. Joe, the Transformer stuff is, is so amazing. Did a cover for the very first uh, IDW G.I. Joe Transformers uh, crossover. At least I, I think I think it was the first one or maybe it was the, the most recent one. I don't know. Uh, it was the Tom Scioli one, which is fat, just such a blast, super inspiring. And, and I think... You know, 
again, I, I went on, I did Snake Eyes, I did G.I. Joe covers. So I, I definitely have skin in that legacy game. Huge fan of everything that Larry Hama and 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 the G.I. Joe uh, concept, all the stories, all the incre- incredible characters and adventures, hugely inspirational to my own career. So very much looking forward to, to more of that coming out of Skybound. Obviously, uh, Void Rivals, Transformers has, has, has launched that. But in the meantime... They rerouted their old licenses to get these collections done, which is fantastic. We want these collections. We need these. Well, today we're going to talk about the the, the most recent Forbidden Fruits because I I occur <laughs> it occurred to me that I'm I'm included in a couple of these, which are important works. I, I I'm I'm putting the in quotes here. You see my fingers. Important works. I, I think history would record that at least one of them is an important work. One of them is a popular work, but it's interesting that it's not just my stuff, but it is a nineties edition of Forbidden Fruits. Like Micronauts, like Rom. Rom ran for a gazillion like I think seventy five issues, which is tremendous micronauts i think through all their different iterations may have run for equal if not more they were both around generally the entirety of the 80s from their launch in 1978 and then rom is 1979 one last footnote on those which which you're like why why couldn't they reprint it well with with micronauts right in the middle of those initial 12 issues they interact with marvel characters and when 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 the licensee and the publisher break up, and the publishers brought as much to the table as they did for Micronauts, you know, you, it it the comics can't be published because Marvel has to give clearance for Captain Universe and Man Thing and anybody else that reflected the Marvel Universe that is going to be carried into the into the Micronauts, as well as Commander Ran, uh, Marionette, Bug, all of the different creations that they that they envisioned. Now, Micronauts is a great, big, badass villain named Baron Karza. But again, so much of what we loved was the struggle between those original characters paired with the toy characters that made this incredible saga. So so with Rom, Rom is fighting the X-Men. Rom is fighting Hulk. Rom is all over the Marvel Universe in his, in his, uh, in his journey. So you can't reprint that stuff at all without some sort of, you know, coming to an agreement. And they have, and we're super excited. Today's Forbidden Fruits, let's start with the one that is the most recognizable, most popular, and that is my very own Youngblood comic book, the comic that launched Image Comics, the comic that launched Image Comics, one million copies sold, so many sold, we had to go back uh, with, a, with, a, with a gold edition second print, people have been showing those to me, uh, Youngblood number one two, three, four, and then part of the back, uh, I, I put uh, I put Youngblood, the conclusion of the story that I was telling on the back of, uh, I think it is Brigade number four, so, because I wanted a little extra time. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm publishing both books, and I thought that would be cool. And there's a ton of you fans who were buying those at the time that told me that, that you dug, that the, that the adventure continued, and that it jumped over to Brigade. And trust me, uh, the, the the brigade sell through on that issue was crazy because brigade sales. Here's a, here's here, here's something you probably aren't aware of. Did you know that despite Youngblood being the more recognizable, um, possibly the more popular uh, title, that brigade actually sold more out the gate, building on 
the momentum of Youngblood. Brigade is the higher selling of the two comic books. Brigade uh, edges it by actually quite a quite a few copies, given that it was uh, ordered after the Youngblood fervor. Because can you believe that a, uh, a comic that sold one million copies on the day of release was selling out all over the nation? That, that retailers were calling retailers needing more copies. Uh, now, now maybe some of them were hoarding uh, books. Uh, cases of them I, that I'm not certain of. I know my retailers in Fullerton, California, as well as uh, the store signing that I did on the debut of Youngblood Number One at Golden Apple in April of 1992, that they also sold out. These books, um, these comics were they disappeared overnight, uh, which is why we had to go pre- go back to press. And and X Force also just just so you know, X Force also had a gold edition. X Force also went back to press. Uh, it, it's it's if if you if you if if you're looking for uh, some some connective tissue here, let, let me tell you this, this is building towards a giant analysis that I have been uh, creating in my free time over the last several months and weeks, uh, giving giving you a picture of what was going on in the '90s and and so much of there's a lot of myths out there, and we're going to add to 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 the facts behind some of the myths today with some some. Some, some numbers that I'm going to share with you, I think that are going to stagger you, that are going to absolutely blow your mind. That, that again, we're, we're just laying a path here because there are so many myths about what happened in the 90s. And, and recently I did share with you guys that some of you uh, may not know that there was two big distributors and, and stores either ordered through Capital or they ordered through Diamond. And often uh, when a store was running up debt, and, and, and couldn't pay its bills, it immediately, before it went into default, filled out a new form and, and jumped on to Diamond or to Capital, whichever they were switching allegiances from, to continue to get their comics while they wiped out their account over at the other one so that they could continue providing comics, regular comics, regular new comics on a weekly basis. This created debt uh, that eventually imploded one of the distributors, which was unfortunately Capital Distribution, but it didn't free up some of the problems. It was just the beginning, but but a lot of the, it's because they truly did not know how to order the comics that were coming out. And again, I've been reading interviews, I've been compiling notes, and going back through you know a decade's worth of of, of magazines, market reports to kind of give you a clearer picture of how the entire collapse came about. Because people, there are some people who are so ridiculous. They go, "Oh, it was because Marvel Comics filed bankruptcy, and we have done this over and over and over and over." Marvel Comics did not file bankruptcy. The holding company, Marvel, went into bankruptcy because it had too much debt from its sticker company, its toy company, its animation division. All of the debt and and a and a distributor that it decided to purchase, but it was all of the other assets. The comics kept publishing the entire time and were a source of positive cash flow for the company. That most certainly had nothing to do with the comic book crash of the '90s. But we are going to get more into that. But Youngblood, let's 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 focus the lens on on this particular forbidden fruit known as Youngblood, the Youngblood comic was more than just a comic book. It was a movement at the time. It was the launch of a new publishing company, publishing label, Image Comics. We had a one-year deal that first year. uh, Youngblood and Brigade and, and of course, Wildcat Spawn all were distributed through Malibu Comics because we didn't know anything about the distribution uh, system ourselves. So they distributed them to the two major distribution Hubs, which was Capital and uh, and Diamond, and there were some there were some other uh, 
lesser known distributors. As a matter of fact, and I was going to maybe save this for a different a different uh, podcast, but but it, n- now is is as as good a time as ever. Some of you have, have have shown me, and you purchased your your early image comics, not just Youngblood, but Spawn, uh, Wildcats, uh, Brigade. I, I'm just I'm trying to stick to the ones that were in these bubble packs, really uh, blister packs, plastic blister packs that you bought at Walmart. Well, those were at Walmart, and trust me, I did not enter a Walmart until the 2000s. There wasn't any out here in Southern California, but I knew it was a huge chain in the Midwest, and none other than Todd McFarlane himself had brought us uh, this this uh, contact who had a company called Anco. On some of your blister packs, or on, on actually all of them, it should say Anco, and uh on the Youngblood, Youngblood and Pitt, I, I know, share one of the blister packs. Spawn, I'm not sure who Spawn shares shares uh, a blister pack with. Maybe it's Brigade, I'm, I'm not really sure. Those blister packs, Anco was a, was a different distributor and ordered 200,000 of each of our books, helping us achieve these incredible sales. The deal was at when Todd brought that the, the head guy was Harold. I forget what his buyer was, but Harold flew out to meet us because he had a contract, uh, a deal with Walmart to facilitate facilitate them with trading cards and comic books. And Anco was his company, and he came out, flew out in his three piece suit, his Southern drawl. Very kind uh, young man. I mean, literally, I'm I'm in my 20s. He's probably in his 30s. Extremely accomplished. Uh, just had this had this very successful business. Flew out to meet with both myself and Todd. Todd was on the West Coast that for for that meeting. We had it at my Extreme Studios. One of the representation. One of the rep, reps from Malibu came and, and sat in on the meeting. And again, I'm just like, man, I just want to draw my comics. But uh, Todd's like, this guy's a big deal. And look, 200,000 units of Youngblood, of Wildcats. But here's the kick. Uh, <laughs> Todd, and I didn't, I did not care because it was just, it was, it just was splitting hairs at that point. And of course, it's like, I, I get it. It's, it's, a, it's almost like a finder's fee because Todd had brought Harold to the table. He's like, he's ordering more of my book than, 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 than yours or Jim's. That, that's part of the deal. And and I remember Harold going, I, I, and I am to understand that that's not going to be a problem. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, I could care less. You're going to order that many additional copies of Youngblood that are going to go uh, exclusively for distribution in Walmart in these these uh, special package, you know, uh, hard metal shells. I, I, I dug it. it. Many of you have shown those to me. I have a number of, of the, I have a number of them myself. I dig them. I love the special packaging of them. And apparently, they were uh, sold at, at, at you know near, near somewhere between books and comics. I mean, somewhere between books and toys in Walmart stores. I'd love to hear if you bought your comics or you you came to your comics through that. He wasn't just doing it with Image; he was doing it with with all the other publishers. But that was the deal that he was willing to cut with us. Of course, Malibu was out of their mind. They didn't. Even, I mean, a, a single order placed through a single distributor. For, for representation outside the direct market. And we had to explain to the, to the stores that this wasn't going to be going and competing with you because a couple of the more prominent retailers are like, you're undercutting us. And we're like, no, Youngblood number one through Anco won't even be for sale at the same time that it is for you because it's going to be uh, delayed and put in a 
blister pack. Uh, maybe there's some that has the entire Youngblood, one, two, three, and four. I think those were also offered later. But anyway, Harold came through and ordered uh, the, these these terms. On, on we, we gave him his own terms for Anco for, for the amount that he was buying because he was really like a, a super retailer rather than a distributor. His retail outlet, outlet was Walmart. And so he would he ordered 50,000 more of Spawn than he did of Youngblood and Wildcats number one. And to this day, I, I just do not care. It did not matter. But Todd really wanted that those those extra numbers. And and in all honesty, later he was like, I just wanted to make sure that mine was the top seller. And this is a way to to you know in, in, ensure that that's going to happen. And when you go to the to the uh, some of the more informed dis- distribution sites, they'll tell you this. That they've actually got this on record. I was going through my own records the other day and got the cancellation notice from Anco when when we changed the terms of the of the buying beyond the original miniseries when we asked for the terms to be changed and they sent a blanket letter to everyone saying based on these new terms Harold is no longer interested in distributing through Anco. Fine, that's great. It, it lasted for four issues. We were in, we were out. It was it was it was great, and it's great that you guys were able to get those. But that is uh, uh, a a form. Another example of a distribution network that was carrying our books outside of Capital and Diamond, but certainly the orders that Anco put in those blister packs uh, did not affect the sales the day of when, when, when these books hit. Youngblood number one hit April 17th. We've celebrated. I have a dedicated episode taking you through that entire crazy day. I found myself on a talk show, a popular talk show hosted by Dennis Miller, who had his own syndicated talk show. There was a seven-hour line outside of Golden Apple Comics in Los Angeles. There was police helicopters uh, overhead. There was uh, traffic jams. It was it, like people were like, what is going on? And I, to be honest... Uh, I, I, I say this to my family and friends. Look, I caught a lucky break. Nothing was going on in the world that week. Uh, I remember going to an Easter celebration because Easter was the following weekend or maybe the one right after, but it was right in that window. And one of my uh, late mother-in-law's uh, friends, best friends said, well, you uh, you know, got lucky that there was nothing going on that day because literally out here, especially in Los Angeles, Southern California, San Diego, all up and down the coast, it was uh, the lead story on the news. Like, like, like I, I swear to you, I have all those uh, newscasts. So I, I, I'm literally laughing because it was just fortuitous. The LA Times had done a, a front page story on Youngwood as well. So it just added to, to the fever of, of that particular day. And so it was launched. It was a big deal. And it, 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 it began this, this, uh, this series of signings, Todd would do his in two months later when Spawn came out, and then Jim Lee would do his later in the summer, and everyone was doing a big Golden Apple signing because suddenly that had become the thing. And Golden Apple had had signings uh, before. I, I, I signed my very first series, Hawk and Dove. I signed at their uh, at not their flagship store. We didn't even rate <laughs> Hawk and Dove didn't, didn't even rate for the Melrose store. But by the time Youngwood Number One launches on the heels of X Force and everything that was going on with my career over at Marvel, it launches. It goes big. Youngblood, beyond being collected in the the Anco packs and 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 being distributed in mainstream uh, outlets such as Walmart, became a juggernaut. Uh, the fans of Wal- of Youngblood went on to support Team Youngblood, Youngblood Strike File, which also and I, I'm, I'm, this it, it also sold a million copies. Youngblood Strike File was actually one of the best selling. It it, it 
sold right behind Youngwood number one in in in, in terms of uh, being well received. And again, that was just me trying to put a showcase for the Youngblood characters that I could do short stories in and then utilize talent such as Jay Lee, who had been blowing up over at Marvel on Namor. And, and I really loved the, 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 the style of his work. And, and, and he had a very, just uh, very aggressive and uh, just really, there was a lot of rage in his lines. And I thought he would be perfect for this chapel story. So I wrote it for him and, and, and he, he and I split the chores on the first three issues and look, from Team Youngblood to Youngblood, you know, Strike File to the Youngblood series, Youngblood was a huge part of that entire era, and it has a connection with fans. Fans come up and tell me, "Oh, I love that Team Youngblood Nine, that that um, battle battle sequence where they were, you know, on a on a holographic battle deck shaft and and, and bad rock." And it, and, and it opened in like an apocalyptic setting. And I love that you gave Shaft an eating disorder. And and I loved when Shaft, when, when Badrock went skiing. And I loved the additions of, of Silence and Task. And oh my gosh, that time when Troll was, sh- uh, you know, in the shower, singing in the shower. And, and, and then they told me about, you know, the excitement when, when the Youngblood team discovered Prophet in issues in issue two, which the, and that storyline carried through issues three and four, and there is a bit of the rub. But the bottom line is those those stories, and again, it's it's stories beyond just covers that make that emotional connection with you, the reader, the fan, the thirty eight year old, the forty two year old, the 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 forty eight year old who brings me these comics. And I'm just saying your ages because again, you've you have uh, collected those since your youth. And I was obviously in my 20s. You were in your, you know, 12, 13, early teenage years. And you shared those books with me. You continue to share those books with me. And uh, and anytime there's some sort of media activity, the book spikes. But what you're not going to get is any reprints of, of Youngblood. Not Youngblood, uh, the proper miniseries, not Team Youngblood, not Youngblood Strike File. Because like... Micronauts and Rom, which has Rom battling Hulk and X Men, and 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 uh, and the Micronauts with with just Man Thing, who not a high profile Marvel character, certainly not at the time, and certainly not today, but 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 is deeply planted in the Marvel universe. Youngblood is crossing over with other characters of mine, like Prophet, Glory in Team Team. Uh, I'm sorry, Youngblood Strike File, uh, the Berserkers. All manner of different characters that now have their rights split. I am still the rights holder on Berserker. And I have rights uh, on Profit and Glory and all these other characters. And Youngblood, in 2019, I had to put out a statement and and share share with you guys that I was no longer uh, doing anything with Youngblood whatsoever. We had had an agreement... uh, from 1998 with the now primary uh, holder of Youngblood that I would continue doing publishing and overseas publishing and that continued from 98 on uh, post the awesome split. But in 2019, the arrangement changed. And when the arrangement changed, uh, my participation changed. And so we don't have Youngblood comic books and haven't for quite some time since the last uh, series that I did with Chad Bowers, and that was a really extremely fun comic book. And 
those early issues, the last time that I reprinted them was in a remastered edition. I believe it came out in 2006, 2007. Right before we jumped on today, I, I looked on eBay and checked and I saw two for sale. And one is like, make me an offer. And and, and, and uh, I, I guess the bidding is ending soon. And the other one is a buy it now in the $46 range. Otherwise, you can't find those. There's two two listings. Uh, I treat mine as as uh, as you know very rare because it wasn't a giant number when we put it out back then, but it it was a remastering. Uh, myself and Joe Kelly re uh, we, we, Joe came to me with a proposal. We got our heads together. We figured out how to uh, rearrange some of the elements of the original series and have it flow differently, not better. Not better by any means, because I think the original ways that it was presented were the very best ways that it was presented, but I had been looking to recolor the entire job. And so this was something to do, an, an added component to it, reformatting it, which is fun. It's a fun, different way to look at it. It's like having a, an alternate cut by a director, and, and and Lord knows with how many different director's cuts there are of something like a Blade Runner, that this fits right into that category. And the... Uh, the Youngblood Remaster Edition also has a new ending. We changed the ending that was originally in the Brigade book that I mentioned, and I penciled and inked an, a new ending. And so the whole thing is recolored, and it reads slightly differently. Uh, but but the only the, the new material is towards the end when we wrap the story up differently, and it did very well. And uh, it's it, it's it was I think maybe probably thirty dollars at the time for what which was which was going rate right for a nice. Um, hardcover and and now those are again very scarce and hard to come by and quite possibly the last time you're going to get that material collected because the 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 the, the book has so much profit and so much of the berserkers in it that those particular stories are not available to to uh those characters can't coexist in a reprint with youngblood without mutual both parties you know having mutual consent. So for that time, for the time being, that is the last time that that work is available. Again, when you get into Youngblood Strike File, not only is it with other characters whom the rights are now split, you've got, uh, you'd have to go get permission for other people along the way. As, and as you get deeper into the regular Youngblood series, which had Spawn in it and others, you would have to get approvals from, from those people. So this is why Youngblood, for all of its historical impact, having launched Image Comics. Uh, it, Youngblood is the number one and the number three uh, comic book that, Mar that, that Image Comics launched. April 17th and June 30th is is Youngblood 1 and Youngblood 2. Spawn number one uh, shipped early June of 1992. But so Youngblood 1 and 2 are, are, are the first and third comic books published by Image Comics and those stories as back issues are your recommended ways to pick that stuff up. There is no telling when that will resolve itself, but if you're going to do a report on Forbidden Fruits, you got to be honest and, and report when your own stuff has in fact become Forbidden Fruit, and it is the entirety, really, of that Youngblood catalog. I, 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 I can only assume that you can put out, uh, you can put out select, maybe, you know, because we did in, in, in Youngblood Strike Files solo issues featuring different characters that don't really interact with other shared universe characters. But, you know, so you can, I guess you would call that an artifacts edition and maybe whoever has the rights is listening to that is going to plan on doing that. Um, I, you know, 
my recommendation is uh, that that all, all of the parties, myself included, would eventually one day reconcile uh, any 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 of the differences in the arrangement and and return that to you. But there is no guarantee that will ever happen. So the back issues that you find online at your at your retailer are going to be the way that that worked, just like Micronauts for the last 45 years and counting, because we don't have that collection yet. That is the only way that those books exist for you. So Youngblood, firmly on the Forbidden Fruit platter, and it and it is also included in in our next option that I'm going to bring up here in a minute. But yeah, it's um it's weird that because Youngblood, especially I believe Youngblood six, seven, uh, eight, and ten. Number nine was a uh, part of the Image X month, and Jim Valentino stepped in, and, and it's a great standalone story. I, I believe that represents some of the best work I've ever done in my entire career. And uh, we, we collected that storyline in a book called Baptism of Fire. Those are even harder to obtain. And I have been told by people how hard. I saw none on my search this morning, but those are even harder to obtain and, and carry a slightly uh, heavier price. So again, the, the, the trade collections of these were were before we were getting to more of the bougie collections and, and, and we didn't necessarily we, we just produce them the way you would do a, 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 a standard trade paperback today and of course there's hundreds of those being released every month but those are hard to get because trade publications didn't have the giant numbers that say uh, they do nowadays and and and, and they, so they were more limited quantities so the youngblood remastered and baptism of fire and all that early stuff is is uh, was collected briefly for a time but it's out of print I believe it does represent some of my own, for, you know, best work. So in that way, it is, uh, it, it is, I guess, no less word painful that it is not out there to share and do glad hand. But the single issues are the single issues are absolutely out there. I've I've gone through them. They're not as uh, prominent as they once were. I've told you there's a comic store here locally in Orange County that I was really excited about, and they opened, and I went and visited, and their back issues start in the 2000s and i am a bronze age guy i want some 70s some 80s and and you know even nowadays my taste for the 90s has really ramped up because of my excitement over all the work that was produced during that time and some of these stores don't even have back issue bins that go back that far and 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 again if you go if you're starting at at the 2000s then you're carrying books from the last 23 years which is impressive so you know i don't want to come down harsh because collections cost money to fill in those bins the, the way that you create that inventory is generally nowadays by buying people's collections and people i have been there twice in one day not that particular store but another when people pull up on the curb and they have eight long boxes in the car and they say what do you give me for these and and uh one one note a retailer gave me is make them bring them into the store get them to take them out of the, do not go and give them an evaluation in the car. I thought this was so fascinating. I was like, wow, there is some, you know, this is like knowledge passed down, but this is a little slight caveat. Uh, do not go down out to the car, make them bring the boxes, the majority of the boxes inside, have them open the lids, put them, you know, evaluate them on site, then give them a price. And my, this retailer told me you would be surprised how many people do not want to put them back in their car. Getting them out of the car into the store is part of the finalizing of the sale even though a number hasn't been agreed on but anyway just something to chew on something that i've learned uh from 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 some wily 
retailers uh, in, 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 the, in, the, in the California area that I have encountered. Incredible, incredible gamesmanship that goes into this stuff. Uh, Youngblood, off the books, forbidden fruit in regards to uh, the, the ability to reprint that stuff. Uh, and, 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 and I am hopeful, always hopeful. You got to understand, I look on the bright side of things. I believe this will be looked back at as an impasse. And my opinion is that it will be resolved at some other date. But for now, and that is what we're doing. I'm making a podcast today. But for now, uh, that, that, that uh, work is unavailable and uh, to, to consume. So let's hope that it resolves faster than Micronauts and ROM did. Now, interestingly enough, before I segue into this next one, this next edition of Forbidden Fruits, we need to look at the month, the, I'm sorry, the month, the year that was, 1993. Again, we're going to uh, discuss, be discussing a lot of kind of what, what went down in the 90s as I, as I put together this, this, uh, this kind of time capsule. But uh, Comicron.com, John Jackson Miller does some great work crunching the numbers. He doesn't always have the info, and he'll tell you that. He'll tell you when he doesn't always have the info. He mentions the ANCO stuff in this in this report. But what if I told you that in 1993, that is the pinnacle. That is the sales pinnacle for the 90s. This is where the 90s peaked. And it was specifically in the month of April of 1993 that that's a year after Youngblood, number one. That's two years after X-Force, number one. That's three years after Spider-Man, number one. So, 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 and that's four years after DC got the ball rolling with the Legends of the Dark Knight and their different, you know, cardstock covers. The 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 green, the blue, the red. I think there was a pink. I think there was a yellow because they went back to press. It didn't. It didn't even have art on it. And and again, we've covered this in our archives. The way that the bat that, that with Batman coming out, DC figured the best way that they could exploit this wasn't with new art but with just color-coding different cardstock covers with the logos on them. And that is what started this in the summer of 1989 that jumps then jumps to Spider-Man one year later, one summer later, with, with uh, in 1990, then X-Men, X-Force, 1991, then Youngblood. So now we're in 1993. This is where everything peaks. This is where uh, the sales pinnacle. But in April of 1993, $48 million comic books made their way through the direct market or moved through the direct market. I mean, that is crazy. 48 million in the month of April, 1993. Okay. The accounts that were ordering comics today, the number falls between 2,200, 2,500 is what they record as comic book stores, retail stores, retail accounts. There's not always a storefront. In 1983, there was over 11,000 specific accounts that were ordered in comic books. 11,000 from now, 2,200 to 2,400, 2,500 max. 11,000. And they, they, they actually speculate that in that 11,000, there was only 6,000 actual brick and mortar stores and the others were you know, selling mail through mail order or selling out of their car, secondary market. But 11,000 accounts were ordering comics through Diamond and Capital. Uh, it was it was in 1994 that the bubble would would 
would pop because uh, failing retailers just left the scene ent- entirely. They just ditched it. And uh, the, the debt of, of, of those accounts is what would crash the market. Uh, the, the shops swole. They, 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 they increased their size due to the credit terms offered by the different distributors that carried all of the products. And again, 11,000 accounts in 1993. Uh, and, and peaking in the month of April with 48 million comic books moved through the direct market. Just incredible. That is just absolutely incredible. The, uh, I mean, th- th- this is, we, we, we really, we were just scratching the surface to, uh, to how, how much the market was, was weakening. It's, it's like, this, it's like in sports, you know, the last four NFL teams, that came on the scene. If if my market, if my memory serves, and I'm gonna have to isolate Cleveland because remember, Cleveland uh, ceased operation when the owner of the Cleveland Browns moved operations to Baltimore and became the Baltimore Ravens. But I think in 1995, you got the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Panthers simultaneously. The Houston Texans were the last new uh, team in 2002, and you got the Baltimore Ravens maybe. Uh, was that 96, 97? So, the, and, and, and the NBA, you know, every time they add a team, it's believed that the, that the product is diluted. And what you've got with this many publishers back then, and, and, and it's kind of what's plaguing us today, is the product gets diluted because when Cleveland re, 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 uh, resumed operations after being defunct and kind of... Uh, ceasing operations because the previous Cleveland Brown owner moved the Cleveland Browns to Baltimore and made them the Baltimore Ravens. The new owners, when they flipped the switch and became the Cleveland Browns again, they had to do it with personnel through, through, you know, uh, basically peeling off players the way they do it. Everyone has to throw players into the lot, build a team for somebody else through your, you know, lesser, less protected athletes. And then also through the draft, and 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 what that does is is it is believed in the NBA and the MLB and the NHL. You know, look, Anaheim, the Anaheim Ducks was an expansion team, okay, and 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 so so right in our backyard we lived through this, and in comic books so many new companies were coming out, and they didn't have a track record, and which again is just let me let me just real quickly beat the Image Comics drum. A comic book company with no track record, just some gumption of some crazy creators is still the number three comic book company 30 plus years later. That, that is beyond impressive, deeper, deserves a deeper dive than I'm going to give it right here, but I'm going to give it that, that, you know, shout out. The bottom line is that many companies, that many stores, that many labels, that much product being diluted. And, 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 and you, you, you could say, Rob, there's more companies and labels now than there were then. And you're not wrong. And it also is part of why the product uh, has, has weakened in, in regards to the consumer who goes, you know, this is, this is expansion talent. This is expansion product. And, and so anytime that creeps in and, the, and, and that ultimately, it was the perfect storm of, of, of too much expansion 
uh, too many retail accounts without their own credit track record, and then these instability of the distributors, and then them all imploding and deciding to kind of, you know, uh, collapse at the same time. It's like this, this past weekend, we had Hurricane Hillary here in Southern California, and we spent days, you know, understanding that we should, we should prepare. And did I go out and buy extra waters? Not, I'm not that guy with the cart. I bought my extra waters one each day because our Brita filter uh, had gone bad and we didn't have a replacement for, uh, cause normally that's how we, we, we just have one of those Brita's that, that everybody drinks out of. And, and the, the filter had gone bad and we hadn't replaced it yet. So at the gas station, when I got extra gas for my generator, in case I needed my generator, I bought, uh, a, a, a 24 water bottles. And then the next day I bought another 12. So no, I am not that hoarder guy. I, I, I can't be that guy, but you know, we prepared for this hurricane and lo and behold, uh, a 6.0 earthquake in Ojai, California. And if you ever watched the bionic woman, that's where she lived. <laughs> that's where Jamie Summers lived is Ojai, California. Come on. We're dropping that pop culture stuff all the time here. So a, a hurricane. And then that, you know, people blew up and were like a hurricane, a hurricane. We, and it's like, you know, what is going on? And while everyone else screams climate, climate, I'm like, maybe God is sitting up there laughing, going, can you just give climate the, the word that it, it deserves? It's God. And here's an act of God. I'm going to give you on top of this hurricane, a giant earthquake. And the next thing you know, you're in a perfect storm of a disaster. And that is what I'm comparing what happened in 1993 to. In 1993, now, when you get beyond the top five, which were the Return of Superman books, and they are a source of great interest that we will dissect, and it was the culmination of the Reign of Superman story, and let me tell you right now, flat out, that was a great story. From the death of Superman to Reign of Superman is probably my favorite era of Superman. They really had a great story to tell, and they executed it at the highest possible level, but again... When it was time to return Superman, those sales reps told people, "This was remember what Death of Superman did. You don't want to be caught short. And they upsold an event that was never going to match, Death of Superman. But once you get the top, the top five books of 1993 are Superman books. Action Comics, Adventures of Superman, 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 Man of Steel, Adventures of Superman again. Lo and behold, what do you got at number six? What do you think the number six best-selling book of 1993 was? It's Turok, The Dinosaur Hunter. But I'm more interested in issues 8 and 10 of, of, of 1993 because these are also on the Forbidden Fruits, okay? Darker Image was the number 8 comic book selling well over a million copies in 1993. Came out early in the year. Jim Lee did Deathblow. I did a character called Blood Wolf. And Sam Keith introduced the Max. That thing was... For, for another book that was just supposed to facilitate our artistic kind of indulgences, it blew up, it sold out, it exploded. And when you will never see that book reprinted again, D Death Blow is with DC Comics per Jim selling to Wildstorm, uh, selling Wildstorm to DC Comics in 1998. I own Blood Wolf, I have the rights to Blood Wolf, and Sam Keith has the rights to, to the Max. It would take an agreement between Sam, DC Comics, and Rob Liefeld to reprint Darker Image number one. Now, maybe Jim can cut a deal with Sam Keith down the line and give you a partial reprint. Uh, but but to the best of my knowledge, that's not happening. And 
if any of the one if if any of the three stories are missing then you don't in, in fact get darker image you certainly cannot reprint that cover image so again a book that only lives in your back issue bins and boy is it a banger i absolutely 1000% recommend you getting your hands on darker image uh intended to be a creative anthology where we would tell different short stories i'm going to tell you right now the overwhelming sales of that is what caused jim to go i'm going to spend death blow off immediately not i'm not going to do this shared uh you know anthology series Deathblow's got the juice. We we sold like 1.2 million copies. Darker Image sold more than Youngblood, and and I mean just it, it was a giant book sold more than Youngblood and Wildcats. It was a monster seller. The, the numbers blew us away. He's like, well, I'm not doing any more short stories of Deathblow. I'm just going to pivot and do Deathblow on its own. And then Sam did the same, and Darker Image never kind of saw saw the light of day. Uh, just recently with letters on it because Kurt Hathaway I'd give him my pencil breakdowns the the second story that you've never seen with blood wolf battling robotic dinosaurs which was the second story for darker image is in my drawers waiting for me to ink it is lettered it is it is penciled and lettered it is not inked and and I certainly owe it to myself to get that out at some point. But it will not be appearing alongside Deathblow and Max. And again, more to the point, Darker Image Number One is a forbidden fruit. Lives as a back issue. I would highly recommend getting the gold foil, possibly the black and white gold foil edition that we did because we took that one to uh, the printers repeated repeated times, wanted to get it into your hands and exploit because the line art that was the whole thing. We really kind of went out all each of us. Uh, really, really poured a lot into the intricacies of the line art on those stories and offered them out. But as a single issue is is the only way that you're going to encounter that. And there will be no reprinting of that anytime in the future, much the same as Youngblood, unless some incredible arrangement was made. Again, no shame uh, 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 being attached to any of this stuff. And, and other than the pain, like I said, I use the word painful in, in regards to not being able to share more of my art uh, no, no, no shame, no frustration. It's just, it is what it is. These books exist. They exist with a backing board inside a plastic, you know, bag taped in your, in your retailer's bin somewhere or online. Number 10 book of 1993, our last forbidden fruit for this session is another absolute banger. There was a lot of controversy about this, but it actually ended up turning, turning out so well. And, uh, when I first did my very first podcast, where I approached this, where I approached this subject, subject and walked you through it all, uh, one of the authors from the Valiant end of this, Kevin Van Hook, said on Facebook, "Like, is this is this safe for me to to listen to?" And I I, I, I took it as like, "Is this going to piss me off? Are you going to insult this? Is this you know?" I said, "Kevin, I had a blast. It's it's totally it's it's Deathmate was a blast." Deathmate was a blast. It was not what I had intended. I only wanted a bloodshot young blood crossover. This blood's for you. I came up with the slogan before I had the story, but that's how the creative juices get flowing. And the next thing I knew, half the company, half of Image Comics wanted it on the party. Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri, Valiant wanted to expand it. Steve Mazarski, Bob Layton. We ended up flying out to meet them, talk over story possibilities. And we created this giant Deathmate Prologue, Deathmate, Epilogue, Deathmate, Black, Red, uh, Blue. I don't. I 
help me out here. I'm not sure the others, but they were all like little mini chapters. There was like a mini version of it, I think, created for one of the the Capital distrib- Distribution or Diamond. I, I just, it's a kind of a newsprinty comic, I think. I'm trying to think if 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 w- w- which characters are in it, but but there was the flagship books, and then the kind of intersecting chapters, and these things blew up. Deathmate Prologue is is the number ten book, the number ten best selling book of of 1993, after Darker Image, which is number eight, and that is five Superman books are one through five. Okay, so we could tell you that Darker Image was the number one image comic, and 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 that maybe Deathmate Prologue was was after after uh, that they had Torok at number six. Uh, whoo, yeah, Darker Image, Darker Image at eight is the number one image comic for 1993, and uh, Deathmate Prologue was an absolute beast, an absolute monster. It's it's Doctor Solar, it's Prophet, it's Supreme, it's Wildcats, it's Cyberforce, uh, it's uh, was there a character named Doctor Mirage, uh, Exo Manowar? Oh my gosh, I I had such a blast. I only drew him briefly, but I loved Exo Manowar, of course. Bloodshot. So Valiant has been sold a couple times over, and Mark owns Top Cow, Jim owns Wildstorm, I own my portion of my catalog or I have the rights the publishing rights to 60 60% 60 62% of that catalog and in case people are, are wondering uh, it's Brigade it's Blood Strike it's Berserkers a lot of B's in here uh, a lot of B titles it's Blood Wolf it's Rejects it's Evangeline Glory Prophet Cyberpunk uh, Judgment Day all of those are on this, the, the Liefeld uh, side of the ledger, ledger as, as as far as publishing goes and and Youngblood and Supreme are on a separate ledger but in this for this Deathmate prologue not, not only would you have to unite the separate extreme ledgers but you would have to unite Valiant and Jim Lee and Mark Silvestri and I'm going to tell you I like I told you I totally I had the best time with, with Deathmate even the Deathmate prologue stuff where uh, I did the back half of that, uh, with with Prophet and and Jim and Barry Windsor Smith did the the front half. Uh, this thing sold huge and excited two fan bases. And we even did a tour. And I've talked all about this. I've talked all about the the intense uh, period where we were going out on a tour bus and promoting this, and it was you know incredibly time consuming beyond the work itself. But it was a blast, and I had a great time. And I would love nothing more than to have a giant artist edition and an omnibus and an absolute edition slipcase, you know, that 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 reprints all of these adventures from the Deathmate era. And I think people would show up in droves. You want some you want to know something I think that retailers would have no problem selling all of these items, by the way. A brand new Youngblood collection, uh a a a Deathmate. Uh, I'm sorry, a darker image deluxe edition and a huge hard hardcover slipcase dust jacket deathmate edition. And in this, and 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 you can just tell right here by all the missing pieces. This this is <laughs> I'm going to go in on never going to happen. I can I can say likely never, but I really feel like never going to happen. And it has great work. 
by Mark Silvestri, by Bob Layton, uh, by Jim Lee, by Barry Windsor Smith. I'm really proud of the work that I did both on the prologue and Deathmate Red. Uh, the extreme guys all came to play. Jeff Matsuda, uh, Dan Frege, everybody, Chap contributed. Um, just incredible, incredibly fun work. Joe Casada did a great section, I believe, in the epilogue. And and again, the Mark Silvestri stuff. Jay, J. Scott Campbell, Gen 13, is, I believe, you know, born or introduced, uh, you know, cameoed. I'm not sure the, the, the words we're using for it in Deathmate Black. So these are really exciting times, really exciting comics. And again, work that you can only see. We are so used to being able to just flip the switch and get this stuff out to you in forms of trades or hardcovers. But this stuff is absolutely, uh, for, for I believe, um, many, many eons to come, unobtainable. Uh, now, now I'm giving uh, James Cameron alloys out on my podcast, Unobtainium. Uh, Deathmate, in all its glory, should have this amazing presentation, but it does not. It uh, it does not. And uh, boy, revisiting it would be a would be a hoot. Uh, even a sequel to that, I think, would 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 be excited. But with a sequel, you would want the original material. And again, the original material is only going to be obtained in the back issue bins, the back walls, and online. And I recommend all of this stuff. And and and, and obviously, I'm involved in a lot of it. But it's the downside of sometimes when things. Uh, don't go exactly as you anticipated that some of this stuff with all of its intricacies. And again, the Valiant stuff is super intricate because Valiant, again, has changed hands a number of times and then you're pulling in literally the Wildstorm factor, the Top Gun factor, and then the Rob Liefeld uh, extreme factor and the Rob Liefeld awesome factor. And so it's it's just, wow. Uh, very complicated, very unlikely. But those are some of the exciting forbidden fruits that that are only going to be gathered in your own personal box underneath your desk or or, or drawing table like like I have the Micronauts and will continue to have the Micronauts until I get that kick-ass collected edition and ROM as well uh, in the very near future. So many more forbidden fruits to discuss, but now now I'm just totally getting my my mind carried away with like the giant, beautiful uh, collections that could be offered with that deathmate material because there's so there's so much talent in that stuff. There's so much incredible talent between those pages. And uh, but forbidden fruits are forbidden for a reason. It's it's a sour. It's a it's it it leaves a a sour taste in your mouth because again, but not if you've got them. Not if you've got them as as back issues and 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 sequestered away somewhere like I do. And I revisit these books and why when I flip through them, I, I I remember the times they were produced. I remembered your reactions to them and the incredible uh intense uh favor that you gave each of the projects that i'm mentioning again sam keith jim lee and myself did not know the darker image was going to be received the way it was it was hey there are concepts we have that we can only do in short story format and wouldn't it be cool to have an a an ongoing showcase for that but the numbers were such that it meant it just meant so much more to spin them off immediately i was the one that was lagging behind with Blood Wolf because I thought maybe I could find other people to do darker image with uh, after the fact. But again, it is what it is. These are the forbidden fruits. If you got them and, you, and you're and you going to go check them out, do so. That Youngblood 
remastered hardcover, hard to get. Baptism of Fire, harder to get. I think the Deathmates, I'm not sure about those. Uh, all this stuff. I'm not. I'm not. I didn't. I didn't hit the the searches on those before I got on here. But some great work, deserving, deserving. We we when we do Forbidden Fruits, it's good stuff. It's stuff with talent, with inspiration. And yes, I do believe Death Deathmate had a ton of inspiration. And the end product is incredibly exciting to experience. I would love to give it to you in an oversized edition, but I'm gonna have to work on that in the next life. Forbidden Fruits, worth checking out all of them. Each and every episode, we have a bunch of Forbidden Fruit episodes in the archives that we discuss other stuff that has not yet been collected or is very rare when it is collected. Some of it only overseas. Lots of it is licensed work uh, or intercompany crossovers. And there is more Forbidden Fruit from the 90s to come. 11,000 comic book stores we used to have. Wow. that that That's like holy Moly, or 11,000 active accounts ordering comics. So, hey, that wraps up this edition of Forbidden Fruits. I hope that if you have them, you can enjoy them. If not, good luck and happy hunting if you look to um, look to get those anytime real soon. Here on Observations, each and every episode, we try and get to the reviews that you have left for us on all the different platforms. Uh, mainly, it's the reviews from Apple that that we um we receive the easiest and that that are the most visible to us on a regular basis. Today I'm going to give you uh, another review. Again, if you're gonna take your time, you're gonna sit down, you're gonna write a review of the show. I'm gonna read it. We generally do it at the at the end of each and every episode. Today is from Aqua Parse. Okay, it's like a superhero name, Aqua Parse. A-Q-U-A-P-A-R-C-E. He writes, they write, a true living, breathing comic book historian. He gives us five stars and you know how much we appreciate the five stars. Again, we just appreciate that you that you sat down at a keyboard, whether it's on your phone, your iPad, your computer, and you type this out. We appreciate the enthusiasm. It says, if you want to listen to someone who absolutely lives and breathes comic books, look no further than this podcast. Rob brings a great energy stemming from his long-term love affair with all things comic books. I can't recommend this podcast enough. Trust me, give it a listen. You will be a Rob fan for life. Aquaparse, I cannot thank you enough. Again, it is uh, not lost on me that you have plenty of things you could be doing. And the fact that you took your enthusiasm for the show and turned it into a review, these help us. They help us stand out on the platform. They give us a higher profile. And I just super generous of you to share that. And I am so happy to read that and share that with everybody else. When you write reviews, uh, I, I find them, they reach me and I share them at the end of each and every episode as I just did. And again, your support of the show is phenomenal. It uh, that the, the audience just continues to expand, and and uh, I, I I I am so grateful because I know that so much of it is word of mouth. As I said, when I go on the road, the thing the things that you guys talk to me about first and foremost now are the show, and I just I appreciate it so much. My passion of comics and my love of this medium and the characters and the creators is uh, is just overflowing. It is uh, it is an energy. My my spinner rack is. Uh, chock full of in- incredible comics. I-, I change it out often. I find myself just plopping down with an entire run of comics. Last week, after the Herb Trimpey episode, I went and got my entire run of Shogun Warriors, which is another 
fits the forbidden fruit model, has not been reprinted, has never been reprinted. Would I love a trade paperback? I would. Oh man, I would just freak out, but they are available only as back issues. So I grabbed each and every one out of my long box that I had, and I just had the best time revisiting those. So again, the comic book passion is is real and it lives on this show. And I am so grateful that you guys interact with it the way that you do and support it the way that you have. On social media, I would love for you to follow me and reach out and interact with, interact with me on a couple different platforms. On Twitter, I am at Robert Liefeld, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. Robert Liefeld is my handle on Twitter. It has a blue check that certifies it is truly me. Those vanished earlier in the summer, late spring when that blue check stuff was weird, but it helps uh, differentiate from, from the phony the phony accounts. And we are so happy that that matters to you and that you want to follow the real account. And the real account is at Robert Liefeld. I read your messages, your DMs, your replies, all of it. I so enjoy interacting with you and sharing different uh, opinions and enthusiasm, enthusiasms and things that we're, we're, we're digging. And uh, again, the interaction on Twitter is among some of my favorites. So follow me there. I will look forward to you at Robert Liefeld on Instagram. I am at Rob Liefeld. Thanks you. Thank you to my beautiful, amazing wife who told me early on that I should get a handle because she was digging on Instagram and I got my, my name, Rob Liefeld. It also has a blue check. It certifies that that is the real person. I am posting pictures of my dog. <laughs> of my food, of my family, of my drawings, of my art, of whatever I am doing. Uh, it's been a while since I mentioned, but I need to remind you that my 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 kids think my account is cringe. So if you want to follow a really cringy account, I guess that that would be mine. I am at Rob Liefeld on Instagram. Love to see you and listen uh, to you over there. Follow your comments, your uh, DMs, your replies. I, I read each and every one of them. I don't have anybody else who's handling my social media. That phone, that device is in my hand. I am doing uh, the, the, the back and forth on those social media accounts. Finally, we have a group on Facebook. It's called Rob Liefeld Marvel Extreme and Beyond. We would love for you to join us. So many of the conversations that we start here continue there. And we would love to have you uh, jump on into that group and join us. We have art contests, people, uh, really, really incredibly talented group of people over on the Rob Liefeld Marvel Extreme and Beyond group, uh, sharing all their different talents and abilities. We talk comics, we talk events, we talk uh, this podcast. So join us, look for us, Rob Liefeld Marvel Extreme and Beyond, either myself or a gentleman named Terry Sala. He is the co-administrator. It's just the two of us. We'll click you on through. We will look forward to you over on that group on Facebook. Wow, another episode is is uh, is is near nearly completed. But you know that I am always thinking of each and every one of you. Uh, hope hope you're doing very well uh, in, in coping with all of the craziness. Like I said, we just had this <laughs> this hurricane followed by an earthquake, and I know it's that crazy time of year where um, hurricanes, tornadoes. Uh, we're 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 going to come on that incredible weird uh, fall fall weather. And, uh, and, and then it's back to school. If you have kids or if you're a student yourself and, you know, maybe your vacation's coming to an end, I don't know what it is. I hope you had the very best summer. We only have a couple more weeks of this, my, my absolute favorite season. And, and then, and then the, the long days extend somewhat into the fall. I hope that you are having great, fun, great fun with your friends, that your mental, uh, physical, spiritual, and emotional health is, is, is doing great. 
uh, spend time with friends, read a great book, read a great comic book, watch a fun movie, get out, take that extra step. Uh, I, I am uh, getting, it's getting harder for me to get up and get out of the house. As I get older, I am uh, just so comfortable on my own recliner. But when I do and I get out and I uh, I just uh, wander like an, an outdoor mall, I go shopping, I, I buy books, grab a, grab a dinner with my, my, my family. It's just so like uh, just a great distraction and it inspires me. And of course, the books that I that I uh, purchase and the 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 art that I interact with is always inspiring. So I hope you are doing well. I hope you are finding inspiration. Did I really uh, do that without mentioning a Reese's Big Cup? My refrigerator is full of them. One one a day keeps something away. I'm not sure what that is, but I love them. Got a giant assortment of them recently with the cereal, with uh, the cocoa puffs, the potato chips, the pretzels. Again, I'm not, I'm not sure uh, what's coming next. Is is it is it uh, is it roast beef? I'm not sure. Is it salami? Could be uh, maybe chunks of onion rings. I would eat that. I would eat that. Rhesus, if you're listening, don't leave us out. That that 90 seconds that I'm absorbing that Rhesus Big Cup is possibly the best time of each and every day. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to make something up that isn't true. That is the absolute truth. If, if I went to a restaurant and I could order a plate full of them, I would. Okay. Uh, Hey, I have a comic book coming out in a couple weeks. Deadpool batter blood. Number three is coming out August 30th. Deadpool batter blood. Number four is coming out September 20th. I, I these books have been, have been completed forever. I cannot wait to get them into your hands. Issue five is heading off to the press this week. So we're going to wrap this up. Uh, it, it looks like Marvel put about six weeks in between each and every issue, but I am, um, I'm excited that the, there's a short window between issues three and four, and I cannot wait for you guys to experience three and four. I, I, I just had the most fun. I think it's all over the pages. Uh, they are the kind of stories that I love to tell that I think aren't being told. They have bounce. They have energy. Uh, some twists, some turns. I hope you are entertained. Deadpool Batter Blood number three is coming your way August 30th. Look for it. Thank you for supporting me, for supporting my art, for supporting my career, for supporting this podcast. Circle back around. I'm going to be here waiting for you. We will absolutely, most definitely, inevitably talk again real soon. Thank you.